<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not an I, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. So showing up at the house, be like, what you doing here? No, the question is, what you doing here? <laughs> you know, because we didn't, like, when we all went to school together, it wasn't like, oh, that's my sister, that's my brother. We didn't do that. Because, you know, my mom instilled in us you come as a, a group, you leave as a group. If you see one of them fighting, y'all all fighting. So, you know, that's when you realize there was some kind of connection because when one got in trouble, back when we went to high school, there wasn't no, uh, there wasn't any metal detectors. I'm trying to figure it out. There wasn't no metal detectors. You was able to walk into the school. You didn't have to be screened at the lobby. So I went to Overbrook High. Mm -hmm. Will Smith. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. And my sister, Robin, the troublemaker, went to West Philadelphia High. Born and raised. Yes. We were, yes, we grew up down the bottom. <laughs> so she would get in trouble in West Philly High and then come to my high school, to my classroom, sit next to me until class was over, so I can go back to West Philly High for her to fight for her. The joy of children laughing around you. These are the makings of you. It is true, the makings of you. What's going on, beautiful people? It's your host, Mr. D713, better known as Drake with Everything Culture. And we are back with another Makings of You. And this morning, this afternoon, this evening, we have Lorraine. Matter of fact, Lorraine, do you want me to call you Lorraine? What would you like to go about today, Lorraine? My name is actually Lorraine. <laughs> Lorraine. Look at Don't me. Don't let my mama hear you say Lorraine. My, hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. My apologies. Um, everybody calls me low because I've had growing up people never said my name right. Um, there was an actor when I was growing up called Lauren Green. I was called Lauren. I was called Loren. Um, so I kind of did something that pissed my mom off, but it helped people to pronounce my name right. I was like, Chlorine, Laurine, or Yorin, Laurine. <laughs> she was like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I understand it. Oh, well, I understand her perspective as well, trust me. So, 
I was like, listen, they couldn't, I mean, I was named after several aunts. I have Aunt Laurie, I have Aunt Perlene, I have Aunt Irene. So my dad named, my biological father name was Gerald. Mm-hmm. And he wanted my mom to name me after the Flip Wilson character. My mom said, ain't no way, play. <laughs> <laughs> we would not be naming her Geraldine. Oh, I know my dad. <laughs> Lorraine, Lorraine, correct? You can call me Love. Everybody oh. calls me Love because I am the shortest one out of all my siblings and friends. So, so I'm on five foot two. This is about to be the makings of Love. So thank you for joining us, Love. Um, this is your episode. This is going to be all about you. We're going to be asking you questions about your childhood, your upbringing, some things you already shared with us right now. You about to maybe go back and ask people about their names because I love the experience you just shared with us right there. But this is your thing. This is the makings of Lo. So Lo, so we're going to our first question. Okay. And well, matter of fact, before we get into that, do you have any questions for us at the moment? Not at the moment. I watch your podcast and so I already know how this goes. <laughs> hey, y- y'all see? Look at she—that's confidence right there. She's ready. She did her work. Okay, and thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate that. Um, so, Lo, how do you define yourself? I am she, her, they. All right, she, her, they. What cultures do you represent? I represent the Gullah Geechee people of the Eastern Seashore. I am African-American, and I can honestly say I am African-American. I was born here, but my descendants, I am a descendant of West African people. So I am fourth generation American. Wow. Wow. Love it. Okay. Okay. Where are you from? I I was born in Philadelphia at a hospital that is no longer there. It's called Philadelphia General Hospital. It was the only black hospital in Philadelphia. But our legendary mayor at the time with his bigoted self, Frank Rizzo, tore it down because God forbid black folk have anything. Uh, What now stands on the property where PGH stood is now Children's Seashore House of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, well, see, y'all, do, do y'all hear this? Lo <laughs> know her history, and that's what we all about here. We okay, okay. Lo, I'm still you, learning. I'm still learning, but I got what I got. That's part of it. That's part of it. Do you mind sharing your age with us? I had just turned 50 a month ago, May 1st. Happy belated birthday. Thank oh, you. Your black don't cry. <laughs> we love it. You got know? <laughs> fine age like wine. Okay. Yes, I am age. That's it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so May 1st. This is the quick time I ask you your sign, but you say May 1st. Oh, I'm team Taurus, baby. Oh, I'll say is that Taurus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. Okay, how would you define your childhood and upbringing? It was, at times, problematic. Um, it was, it was. I, I actually look back on my childhood and some stuff make me smile, some stuff make me wonder, and then some stuff makes sense. So 
I am, my mom biologically only had two children, me and my little sister, who is uh, 10 years younger than me. But there, we grew up in a blended family. So at one time, there were like eight of us in the house at one time. So um, then they left, but then they came back with kids. So they kind of thought me and my sister Robin, who was a year older than me, were their designated babysitters. But um, yeah, now I play. <laughs> I, if you had told me, if you had told 15-year-old me that I would have three living and two angelic children, I would have told you, you don't know what you're talking about. I did not want kids. I did not like kids. I was okay with fornicating and being single. So me being married with children is truly a testament. <laughs> wow. So yeah, um, I was raised. Um, I was raised in a typical black family. So my parents, my mother especially, is a sergeant in the Air Force. So she was in Texas a lot, and my grandparents, her parents pretty much raised me, you know? So my grandparents were more like my parents, per se, even though I knew who my parents were. Um, but that's where I got my love of my religion. That's where I learned how to cook. Um, I kind of got flopped around because I was a typical kid, you know? My grandparents could only handle so much, so they sent me on to my aunties, so that's where I really learned how to cook. I have one aunt now who is suffering from dementia. When I was growing up, we had powdered spick and span. We had an old toothbrush or old scrubbing brush and a cup of water. She had mosaic tiles in her kitchen floor. And if she thought for one minute you was being sassy, that was your job for the day. You had to get the dirt out of the crevices of that floor with that brush, that powder spigot spear, and that water, and you better not let her find not one dark spot. It better be good. You gotta go through uh, the grout. Yes, not the grout, but you, um, think about when you're doing clay um, art and you put those little grooves and crevices to create your design. That was her floor. So it was grouted tile but the tile was decorative. Mm. So like on top of the tile, she had more de decoration on top of it as well. Yeah, so it was like a, a regular tile plank and it had in intricate, yeah. grooved in design. So dirt got in it all the time, but she would just throw a little, among, back then we didn't know no better, ammonia and bleach with some water onto the floor and it would suck up all the dirt. But if you got sassy, your job was to get the dirt up. <laughs> okay. Yes. So that started my journey into realizing that my, especially my parents finding out that I had OCD because I didn't consider that punishment. I actually loved doing it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So that is it. My childhood. I mean, it was typical. I own. Um, Unfortunately, uh, my parents 
did not stay together and my mom started dating someone else and he attempted to sexually assault me. I think I was 14, but I was asleep. So I didn't know what was going on. Luckily, my aunt, God rest her soul, was staying at the house that day and she walked in and he had me leaned over the bed. Like I still had my head on the pillow, but the rest of my body was off the bed and he had pulled my underwear down and pulled my my nightgown up. That's when my aunt walked in in court. So I learned then what SVU meant. I figured out what was going on. He had said things to me, but as a kid who wasn't exposed to sexual improprieties, I didn't know he was saying indecent things, you know, and I had said something to my older siblings about what he had said and they was like no you might have misunderstood what he said but in hindsight I was like he was grooming me like he was asking me for pictures of parts of my body that a grown man shouldn't be asking for because I was developing in front of his eyes so um needless to say he passed away a few months after that, and I honestly think my family has something to do with it. I don't have proof. But it's just ironic that uh, after that happened, it went radio silence, like the family didn't talk about it. And then it was on the news. They found his body in the part of town that we call the Dusty. And the Dusty, in gang warring times, you will find dead bodies because that's where the gangs would go and do their thing. So I don't have proof that my family has something to do with it. But uh, uh, yeah, I kind of think they they did vigilante justice. <laughs> well, here so. in everything culture, we have no say so. We, <laughs> this is <laughs> We, we have no uh, knowledge of the information <laughs> what may have happened. Foremost, we want to say thank you for sharing. Yes, yeah, so I'm getting ready to say, and if it is who I think it is, the Lord don't took them home. So their life story is over. So okay, okay. here it is. <laughs> nobody that's still alive. We ain't trying to incriminate nobody. They ain't trying to get pulled to the side and get no call. No, sir. No, no sir. Oh, but that's just me being transparent, like. And that's what I'm saying. We appreciate you being transparent with us because what you just shared with us is, you know, it's you, this is the makings of low, but it's many other lows out here. It ain't nothing like low. Ain't gonna be another low. <laughs> no, thank, I know my parents is thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my goodness, once again, and once again, seriously, thank you for your transparency and hope no if you have not fully healed, that you're continually healing. I would say that first and foremost. I am. Yes, thank you. Oh, man, that, that, that is deep. And you touched on so many parts of the follow-up questions that show me that you actually listened to the show <laughs> again. But let's get into your siblings. How many siblings do you have? How many siblings I claim? There is 10 of us. Okay. So, like I said, my mom gave birth to two. Okay. Me and my sister, Naisha. All right. I claim eight other individuals as siblings only because they, they like I said, we all lived together at one point in time. Um, my mom had the uh, 
Remember that show with um, Oprah Winfrey that she had the house, Brewster's Place? Yes, yes. So Brewster's Place was our house. My mom had the, what I want to call the healing house, but it really wasn't. It was just, you need a place to stay, you can stay at our house. So um, I have uh, Arizona, I consider her a sister to me because it was at a really, it was right after the sexual impropriety that she came to stay with us and I was able to talk to her more than I could to talk to my mom. Mm. So her kids are like my nieces and nephews. So, you know, that's how I look at them. Um, I have Joan, I have Arizona, um, my sister Robin, her dad, um, pretty much raised us. Mm. So my sister Robin and I are only 11 months apart. Her birthday is in February. No, it's 10 months. February of 71, and I am May of 72. Wow. We went to the same junior high school. Um, my mom figured out that after having us in junior high school together that we should not go to high school together. Um, I was a fighter. Like, I was a silent storm. Like, people thought because I was a nerd that I was easily, I was an easy target uh -huh. until I unleashed the beast. Then they realized that <laughs> I wasn't the one that you needed to mess with. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, so... I did what I was supposed to do in school because my siblings kind of showed me all the stuff that I should not have done. <laughs> mm. I'm not saying I didn't do it. I just say I didn't get caught. But um, my sister Crystal, she is that sister. I love her as a sister. I don't like her as a person. Mm. Um, she has done some things that have crossed the sister code. And I just keep my distance. Like, once you show me who you are, I'm truly a Maya Angelou believer. Once you show me who you are, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm great. I love her. I'm not going to let nobody do anything dirty to her. So, if I heard something happen to her, I will come to find out what's going on. But she could never live with me. Um, I would never send her money, but if she said she was hungry, I'll Instacart you something. So I am that sister, like, yeah, I love her. I just, just certain life choices just don't sit well with me. So um, then I have my brother Bardell. He has always been our protector. Like, even as kids, like, we were, we had girls who wanted to be our friends after they found out Bardell was our brother. Like, come on, play. <laughs> you know, showing up at the house, be like, what you doing here? No, the question is, what you doing here? <laughs> you know, because we didn't, like, when we all went to school together, it wasn't like, oh, that's my sister, that's my brother. We didn't do that. Because, you know, my mom instilled in us, you come as a, a group, you leave as a group. If you see one of them fighting, y'all all fighting. So, you know, that's when you realize there was some kind of connection because when one got in trouble, 
back when we went to high school, there wasn't no, uh, there wasn't any metal detectors. I'm trying to figure it out. There wasn't no metal detectors. You was able to walk into the school. You didn't have to be screened at the lobby. So I went to Overbrook High, mm-hmm. Will Smith. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. And my sister, Robin, the troublemaker, went to West Philadelphia High. Born and raised. Yes. We were, yes, we grew up down the bottom. <laughs> so she would get in trouble in West Philly High and then come to my high school, to my classroom, sit next to me until class was over so I can go back to West Philly High for her to fight for her. Ooh, okay. They yeah. got a whole system going on. Oh, my mom was, I, I got suspended from West Philly High. And I tried, you know, back then, you couldn't talk back to your elders. But I was trying to explain to the principal that I didn't go to the school, so he couldn't technically suspend and, me. Yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't let me talk. So we heard them combat boots coming down the hall. We, me and my sister just looked at each other and was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's about to go down. I, I wouldn't even said nothing. I've been like, okay, I'm suspended then. Like, yeah, well, and that's when he can't say, you're suspended. I don't want to hear nothing. I'm calling your mom. I was like, okay, she'll straighten this up when she gets here. So he going on a tangent, telling my mom all this stuff that happened. Long story short, they tried to jump my sister. I told them they weren't going to jump and she was going to fight fair. I told her I wasn't fighting for her no more. She had to fight her own battles. She did not... They tried to jump her. I had a padlock in my hand because I stay ready. I ain't got to get ready. And I just bust a couple of them in the head with the padlock that I had in my hand. I just... (laughs) So, needless to say, yeah, I deserve to get suspended. (laughs) Nevertheless, I don't go here. So, yeah, I was that girl that had razor blade in her mouth, padlock on her hand, scalpel in between her fingers. Because I grew up in gang-worn times. Mm. And I lived down the bottom, and then we moved to Parkside, which is like the upper crust of the bottom. You're still in the bottom. You're just not in the bad part of it. Well, I had to go to school in Winfield. And Winfield, where Will Smith and all his crew lived, was like the Santa Barbara of L.A. You know, like those, those were two-parent households. Those were huge houses. Not necessarily row houses like what we lived in, but more like twin houses. Kind of like the Cosbys, how they came up. Exactly. What was, it, what, what was the name of the family? The uh, Huxtables. There we go. Yes. So the, those, those people in Winfield had a reputation of being two-family households, higher income. And for whatever reason or another, they just did not like us in Parkside in the bottom for nothing. So whenever we had to go, we had to go up a hill to get to to school. They'd be waiting for us at the top of the hill. So we had to fight to get to school. So yeah, I just so why is the what is the bottom? You know, from someone that's not from Philly. Can you explain that for, for us? Okay, so the bottom is a part of West Philadelphia you should not be in after dark. Um, the bottom is a place that you should not be in and look lost. 
Uh, there has been some gentrification taking place down the bottom, but it's, the reputation still holds. Um, I still have family down the bottom. And when I say I can walk down any street down the bottom, I got my cousin Tina, I got um, my cousin Gloria, like walking distance from each other. I If anything ever happened to me in the vicinity of Martha Washington Elementary School, I can shout down any street corner and I have family coming to my rescue. So it was not known. It was, that was, the bottom is where that strip of road I said called the Dusty. Yeah. So if you ever go to Philadelphia and you see 46 and Market, from 46 and Market to 46 and Haverford, it now has houses on it. It now has businesses on it. But when we were growing up, it was just one mile of dirt and just trash. And the projects is on the other side. So that's where, you, like I said, if you ever got caught out there at night and you wasn't supposed to be, you either got, if you were the guy, you got confronted. Us as females, you know, they were like, hurry up and get on that train, get off of the street, because that's where they was getting ready to do you know, conf confrontations or whatever. There were many days we would walk down the dusty early morning going to my cousin Tina's house. You'll find a dead body from the night before or you'll see... And here's the thing that makes it so ironic. Directly across the street was the original police headquarters. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, it was a mess. Oh, that's yeah. such, um, I don't, just checking. Did we cover all the siblings too? Uh, no, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you consider home? I consider home, physical home, I consider Philadelphia, my physical home. My spiritual and cultural home is Savannah and Tybee Island. Wow. I love it. Love it. Um, how do you feel about your education so far in life? I only had one regret, and that was having my children while I was in, trying to do college because I never, I didn't get to finish it the way I wanted to, but I did finish college. My grandmother wanted me to be an attorney, which as an adult now, I see why, because <laughs> I'm a great debater. But her nurse, when she got sick, saw something in me that she said that I should do medical. She said, you should go in the medical field. Um, I've had several nurses I work with say that I should be a nurse. Um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it was nursing back in the 70s and 80s, I probably would. But nursing now, like... The nurses I work with now are going through extreme burnout. And this was pre-COVID. COVID just accentuated the burnout. But pre-COVID, like, you have ratios that are unhealthy. Like, a nurse shouldn't have six to seven patients. Um, a tech shouldn't have 17 to 30 patients. But because of the staffing ratio... This job, people see us in these uniforms and they think it's cute and, 
you know, oh, I want to do that. They look at Grey's Anatomy like, yeah, no. It, it ain't glamorous. You are messing with people's bodily functions. You're messing with blood. Mm. People coming near with their face off, with their brain exposed. Mm. We've had a guy try to remove a pain he had in his stomach. And he felt like if he could cut it out, it'll stop hurting. Well, it don't work that way. <laughs> well, I know that. <laughs> oh no! But I worked in ERs. I worked in ICUs. I worked in messers. I worked in rehab. And right now, currently, I am working hospice. I don't work bedside anymore. I am more um, clinical staff. Um, which I, I like. I love working hospice. I mean, it is sad, but being a doula kind of balances it out. Because I deal with death at work, but then I deal with new life in my career. So love it. And okay, I'm gonna jump one of our questions up. Um that I usually ask later on, but I'm gonna ask it now is if you had wealth beyond money was an issue okay you didn't have to deal with money at all all right but well you have to deal with it but you had enough to take care of everything you wanted to take care of okay mm-hmm. but you have to keep one career one job you have to do one thing what would be that one thing i would be a doula all right that's what you love you already in what you want to do hey actually i will be a midwife a midwife Yes, because the cost of midwifery school is just downright great. (laughs) Let me tell you, school. You know, don't get me started on education and what we American education, high expensive. I was getting ready to say I'm at the point now where I'm I want to connect with my ancestral roots and learn midwifery the traditional way because trying to do it the American way is. $6,000 $6,000 a semester. Yes. And they don't accept financial aid. What? And grants are only like $500 to $2,500. You, the equipment you need, like some of the equipment you need costs an easy six dollars to $700 a piece. Goodness. Yes. Like the little sonogram that the midwife uses to listen the little Doppler that they listen to the baby's heartbeat. Mm-hmm. The cheapest one you can find is probably $175, but the one that is really good is cost you easy $550, $600. Yeah. I understand. Technology. Yeah. I'm big on, once again, this is the makings of low, everyone. Um, but I'm big on like technology is one thing. I understand paying for technology, but paying for education things that we're sharing to make things better for people. That's, that, that's, that's a conversation for another day. You know, we've had it before on the show, mm-hmm. but the price it's of- amazing to me because you go to other countries like Africa, college is free. University is free. You make, and it's a choice. Like, and a lot of them come over here to go to school, not realizing like, no, you got to pay for it. Play. <laughs> mm. And I mean, and only because it's probably something that they are trying to get into that they want to learn a different aspect of it so they can go back home and be 
We joke about that all the time. Was, <laughs> I do that horror movie podcast. I do Black Girl uh, Remember. And I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I got to go back and look at my face again, my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I saw it. That's why I laughed. <laughs> uh, we are good. Okay. Um, jumping to our next question is, what were and what are your beliefs? I believe women should have a choice to do what they want with their body. Mm. I grew up in alleyway abortions. I lost family members to alleyway abortions. So I feel as though, and I'm going to be frank, and this is coming from my business mentor, Tracy Collins, politics does not belong in pussy. Especially if you don't have one. Support that. Hey, I want I need to put on a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, she got t-shirts now. I'll get you the link. <laughs> hey, I let us. Blackdoulas.org. Go to the shop. <laughs> so, um, I believe that boys should be raised um, to be gentlemen. I don't think, and not to be the replacement of the man that left or the man that didn't want you. Um, my sons, I made sure that they, I raised them to be single men. Not because I didn't want them to be in relationships. I just wanted them to be self-sufficient. I was not the perfect mom. In my eyes, I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of things. Um, I wish I can take back and do differently. Um, but, you know, Mother, parenting doesn't come with a, a manual. You pretty much learning this day by day, hour by hour sometimes. Um, but I believe we should raise our boys to be self-sufficient, to keep their hands to themselves, and the urges are theirs and theirs alone. You cannot blame a woman because you can't keep your hands off her. Um, I never had to go to the courthouse, the cemetery. You know, I never had to go to the jailhouse. For my kids, like my my boys are good. I mean, they have their their issues. I mean, I have a Libra and a Pisces, and that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> my Libra was, whew, he was the bane of my existence. I love him to death, but baby, I remember taking up to police headquarters because I was done. <laughs> um, they were typical boys. I just trying to be a single mom raising two boys, working two full-time jobs just so they can have football, basketball. I kept them in Little League. I kept them in Boy Scouts. I kept them busy. So that's another reason why they wasn't a product of the streets. Mm. I moved them out of Philadelphia to North Carolina because I wanted them to get a better education. Um, then I got a better job in Georgia. Um, and we moved because of jobs. If I got a better job opportunity somewhere, we moved. I was a military. So, you know, I set up roots in where I'm at at the time. But if a better opportunity presents itself, I'm out. So, but um, I also believe that special needs children don't stop needing special needs when they turn 18 to 21. Mm. They need services as adults, and I have two special needs children. Mm -hmm. I have one that's dyslexic, who is now fine, and that's because 
He has a very assertive and aggressive mother who makes sure that he learned what he needed to learn. Um, my daughter has ADD and autism. And if you first see her, you won't know because I, I don't treat her like, I don't treat her with a, 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 a tender hand. She gets these hands just like her brothers did. I discipline anything that came out of my body. I don't have no fear over. So you're not running this house. I, I'm running this house. Like my, my husband already know. He just, he helps pays the bills, but this is my house. <laughs> <laughs> this is my house. Stay out of my kitchen, and we won't have no problems. So, but, and I just believe that there shouldn't be gender roles. Like now, and I'm I'm going to conflict myself. As long as my husband is home, I'm not touching the trash. I I ain't doing it. I'll put it together, and I'll put it by the door. But if you're home, I should not have to take the trash to the dumpster. But when my husband is, is a trucker, so when he was out doing over the road OTR, uh, I took the trash out. You know, I did that stuff. Listen, we moved somewhere new. Like, if I pan the room, you'll see my office still not unpacked. We're fairly new here, three months. We had a visitor call up out of our daggone sink at one in the morning. At the sink? Out the, the drain. It came out the pipe. It was about that long. And when I tell you all I saw at the corner of my eye was something moving. And I was like, what the hell was that? And when I saw it, when I say a New York sewer rat would have fought that thing, I ran to the other side. We have a California king bed. And I'm rubbing my husband's leg. <laughs> and he opened his eyes. He thought it was going to be adult time. I said, no, it's a bug. <laughs> I was trying not to scare him away. <laughs> I said, I need you to get this bug. He said, what? And when I said it, it crawled into our master bedroom. And when he saw it, he jumped up. Boy, when I tell you, I had the spray. I don't know what the spray was going to do. Oh, my goodness. I'm spraying while he tried to hit it. He turned around and said, stop spraying me. <laughs> so, but I believe married folk, although we need to have, we need to have other married folk that we can vent to about disdains and things that we just don't feel like, that we need to talk to about the stuff that our mates do that we just don't like. I don't think we should share that with family. And I say that because when when you vent to another married person, they get it. You know, especially one that's not uh, related to you. Because if y'all have a disagreement and y'all go, you know, spend the night away because y'all just need that space. When you come back together, family ain't going to forget. They're not. Hey, they're not. <laughs> they're they not, not going to forget. They will hold on to something from 19, six, uh, 2016. It's 2022. Why, why are you still back there? We, we done went to a whole nother level. But if you have other married folk, like I have been blessed. I have married friends who are Christian, who whenever there are issues with any of us in our circle, we come together in prayer. And 
like they'll send me text messages praying for you, hoping everything is okay. Like I have been blessed with those kind of friends. And I got those friends too that is just like me, just blunt and to the point, you know, and call my husband out or even call me out because I'm not perfect on what I should and should not be doing. Like my husband had to pay the bill for the stuff that my kid's dad did. Like as soon as he did something, they were like, er, wait a minute. Mm-mm, not doing this again. And I would go all the way in. And my girlfriend was like, that's not his fault <laughs> that you feel like that. You got to deal with that stuff. So, yeah, I believe that married folks should have married friends. I'm not saying they can't have single friends, but you I don't you shouldn't be vetting to your single friends about married issues. Let me tell you something, Lo. You said a whole mouthful right there. That may be the intro to this yo 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 episode right there. I usually don't talk about relationships on everything in culture, you know. But I know one day we go get there because it's necessary. Because you know, once again, I just lock my lips. But when you say with family, I, I'll be like, "Don't tell me nothing if you don't want me to hold on to it." I, I'm one of the like, I, I can be forgiven, I can pray, but yeah, I'm be, I'm a mediator. I'm a family law mediator. So I understand. So I can hear both sides. But when it comes into family, it's going to be, you know, my emotions. Is, I was getting ready to say, it's a different level of feelings when it's family. Absolutely. So okay. it's different. And my husband found the hard way because my husband integrated himself into my family. And I had to keep telling him, I said, listen, my family is full of gang members, street pharmacists, like, you you can't open yourself up. Like, I'm still guarded with some of my family. I love them. Yeah. There's just certain things that I feel like they don't need to be involved in. I mean, I had to get with a cousin because they approached my husband and, and they did it when I wasn't around for obvious reasons. But my husband is not passive, but when it comes to family, he, he's like real guarded. But if it had been just some random person off the street, he would have got a whole different reaction from my husband. But that didn't mean that my husband didn't feel some kind of way because he immediately called me. Yeah, and I know how it goes. Trust me. Once yeah. again, so like you say, we 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 have a culture. Being married yeah. is a certain culture, especially with. Ooh, we we can go down that road for a minute, but we can come <laughs> back to you. We're coming back to the makings of low. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, all our viewers out here, especially here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, thank y'all for subscribing. Thank y'all for sharing. Right now, once again, we're here with the makings of Low with Everything Culture. So, Low, what or who has been the biggest influence in your life? My children. My mother told me when I was seven, 16, 17, right after that, padlock incident that I wasn't going to make it to age 25. Mm. I had my first, um, I will, I'll say miscarriage, uh, when I was 20, um, gave her a name and everything. My name was Mercedes Alicia. Um, my second son was born nine months later. My, well, my first son was born nine months later and two years eight months later was my next son um 
then 14 years later was my daughter. Well, before my daughter was born, I had another child miscarry. Um, so if I gave name, I give names to everything. So my first miscarriage was Mercedes Alicia. Then there was Lamont Anthony, then Devin Ellis. Then my second miscarriage was Josiah Matthew. Then my daughter is Linda Ann. So all my children have names of representation. And that's because as my culture, as you know, as a Black family, we have to name it for it to have a space in our heart. And it gives it purpose. So nothing created is created without a purpose. So my children was created to ground me because everyone who knew me as a teenager and young adult, when they saw me, even before my daughter was born, they was like, them kids made a difference. Because I was flighty. I leave a job in a minute. You say something crazy to me, I quit. I get me another job. And would. You know, I I can also say my last job before we moved to Arizona was the longest job I've ever had. Mm. Like, I never stayed at a job. Once about two years come in, I get the itch. And I can honestly say the last job I had, I was there almost six years. And to me, that's long for me. You know, but it went by so fast. I loved it. But back to my children, um, Mercedes and Josiah were, they, I don't want to say mistakes. They None of my children were playing. Let's say that. None of them were playing. But they both were at a time of turmoil. Mm. Um, I had, I was getting ready to graduate high school with Mercedes. I literally was in my head trying to figure out how I'm going to do this, work, go on my senior prom, graduate. Like, and my grandmother had just passed away the previous January. So, I was dealing with a lot of stuff. Mm. So needless to say, that didn't happen. Um, Not even a month afterwards, got pregnant again. That's where Lamont came in. And he was my bud. That was my little buddy. You know, Uh, I wanted a son. always wanted boys. I wanted four boys. I did not want any daughters because house full of chicks. I was good. I didn't want that. Um, Lamont curved my edges. So I was I was like angry and I was straight like I would fly off the handle quick. You know, I was right and ready at all the time. My mom was like, you cannot be a light switch for the rest of your life. Like you gotta chill out. But I looked at my mom, my mom is girly. My mom was a cheerleader. She was a daddy's girl. You know, she did all the girly stuff. I was that kid that wanted to swing on trees, climb barbed wire fences, play football with the guys. So when I had my son, all the stuff that I learned being a tomboy, I was able to teach him. So 
I felt like he was my purpose. Like now I feel like I have purpose because you always hear, especially in church, that God is not going to call you home until your purpose is fulfilled. And I was like, well, I must go live forever because I don't have a purpose. But when I had my my oldest son, I felt like now I see what my purpose was. And I actually liked, like he was the perfect baby. He did not cry. I used to have to go and make sure he was alive, like tapping his feet because he was just the quietest kid. I mean, has a girly face, eyelashes, everything. He, everybody who saw said, oh, she's so cute. And I'd be like, it's a boy. Even though he had on all boy paraphernalia, they still would say she cute. So, but he was just like the perfect baby. He was the one who told me I was pregnant with my youngest son. Because mm. he came over to give me a hug. He says, I know you mommy and baby. I say, baby? What baby are you talking about? He said, it's a baby in here. I said, like, boy, you got out here ain't no baby. <laughs> His dad was getting ready to leave to go be a trucker. As you can see, I have affinity for truckers. <laughs> uh, not intentional. <laughs> um, and like literally a week before their dad left to go on the road, I found out I was pregnant with Devin. Wow. And Devin, I knew was going to be a hellraiser because when I was pregnant, when he would move in my stomach, I had to lean back to give him space because it felt like he was not boxing my internal organs to make room. So I knew he was going to be a fighter and I knew he was going to be big. And he was, he was my biggest kid. He was nine pounds, 14 ounces. Yeah. <laughs> He was a big boy. Like when they put him on that scale, he looked like a little sumo wrestler <laughs> sitting over there. But Devin taught me, Devin taught me love, like unconditional love. And I mean that because Devin wasn't always easy. He, I mean, even as an adult, he's not easy. He is not easy to love. He is not easy to swallow. Like he is very rough. He's, he reminds me of me, you know, before I had kids. But he taught me unconditional love because he would just look at you and smile. And even though he pissed you off, you just be like, come over here, boy. You get on my nerves. So he taught me love, but he also taught me resilience because he was the one that kept me in emergency room for whatever reason or another. But we found out later in life that he had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. So what we thought was sports related really wasn't. It was another condition. And we found that out the day before he left for college. Wow. So I had 14 years with my boys. And then I, I would have my nephews, friends, sons. Like I had what we considered the Kool-Aid house. Like... They had PlayStation, they had Xbox, Freeze Pops. And like, we we had the house where the boys could hang out at and you had to worry about nothing. Then I had my daughter. Now, my daughter came at a time where I was, I felt like I was desolate. I, did, I wasn't working. I had just lost. I found out I was, I was pregnant at work. 
because I poked my finger doing drawing blood from a patient. So I had to do a whole screen and make sure I didn't have HIV, hepatitis, all that stuff. And they test you to see if you're pregnant because if you if the patient is HIV positive, they give you a prophylactic drug. You can't be pregnant to take. The lady came back all excited. She was like, everything came back fine. I said, okay, cool. I went to turn around and go back to her. She said, no, wait, that's not why I'm happy. She said, you're pregnant. Here I go. You got the wrong chick. <laughs> She's like, no. And you, they give you a bracelet. And the numbers on the bracelet match the numbers on the, the form. She said, it's still early. Your ACG is really low, but you you couldn't, can't be more than two or three weeks. That was when I broke up with her father. <laughs> I literally, because he wanted to be the country hoe and I wanted something better. So we just decided, like, you do you, I'm going to do me. We're going on. I was so devastated. I walked home from work and I drove. That's that's how messed up in the head. I'm sorry for laughing. <laughs> do you know how mad you have to be? <laughs> yes. Oh, my yes. God. I walked home and my sons were up playing a video game in the living room and we have a rock driveway. So they would hear me come in. When I came in the door, my brother was like, mom, where you coming from? I said, I'm coming from work. Where you been? He's like, my oldest son looked out. He said, where's the car? Here I go. God dang. Now, mind you, I didn't live close to work. No. I I live a good seven, eight miles away. And when I tell you I was on the phone with my best friend crying, and I was like, I'm not telling nobody. This is going to be a secret. (laughs) She said, honey, you can't hide a baby. (laughs) But you got to tell them. So with her on the phone, I called him. One of our issues was he was a drunk. Like, Paul Masson was his, his girlfriend every Friday and Saturday. So course he was inebriated but he heard what I said because when he sobered up the next morning he called back to verify Mm. so I this was before cell phones I literally um had to scan and email him the paperwork so he could see I told I ain't telling you this because I want you around I'm just telling you that there's somebody with your DNA running around so, but Linda taught me patience because I hated um, repeat myself. Like when I said what I said, do it. With Linda, because of her, her inability to grasp complex directions. So you can't say, I need you to go in the bathroom, clean this, do this, do this. And then when you're done with that, I want you to do you lost, she is totally lost. So you have to give her one direction at a time and you have to repeat it. So it taught me patience. She taught me patience. Even now, she has her days, but she she is a mixture of her brothers. Yeah. So I get the, the sternness and I get the lovingness. Like yesterday, she said something to me, but I guess my face must have made her reconsider 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because she was like, this better be done by a certain time. And I was like, who are you, who you talking to? <laughs> she said, well, I need it. So I said, then you should say, can you make sure this is done by this time? Don't tell me, it better be. You better figure out a different way to talk to me. Communication is key. <laughs> yeah. She was like, Respecting communication. <laughs> she was like, I'm sorry, mommy. I didn't mean to be rude. I was like, okay, you may not have meant it, but you sure did it. <laughs> so those are my inspir- those are my five inspirations right there. Josiah, um, he was he was the hardest out of all my kids. I think I cried. Like I was upset with Mercedes. But I think with Josiah, it hurt the most because I, that was, to me, I, I wasn't doing right by my grandparents who are now um, deceased. And I was just starting back to following my Christian journey. So I felt like God took him away because I wasn't doing something right. Mm. So that made me reevaluate a whole lot of stuff in my life. Wow. wow. Hey, Lo, I'm just so, <laughs> once again, this is my entertainment. Not saying it's just the explore, but I really do enjoy hearing your perspective and stories. As much as we've been keeping in touch with each other on TikTok and things, yeah. I really do appreciate you sharing your experience and your influences in life with us, you know. Um, because I know this is tough. This is isn't easy. How you do, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm good. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh goodness! Hey, and I, once again, I was thinking I wanted to ask my family. You know, I ain't even gonna worry, but we'll talk about it on a future episode. It's because how <laughs> certain um, beliefs that we have, you know, and not naming a child before, like my elders, they still don't like like the whole baby shower. You shouldn't celebrate until the baby's here. It, it was, you know, my folks real. I was going to say, yeah, we we the same way, but like my the older generations didn't want you to make a big deal mm-hmm. out of babies until they got here because in my family, stillborns and miscarriages is prevalent. Exactly why. And I think yeah. that's a conversation we're going to have in the future. That's something that's going to be a point of the topic when we go bring the doulas and things on. But we're going to talk about <laughs> Yeah, so, that's a it's a black thing. It, it, that's all that is. That's my thing. Is it just a black thing? Though that's my thing. We might. It may, oh, it okay. Right. I, I haven't heard any non-bipoc people say that, but yeah, that's usually why, in my experience and in my business, a lot of my clients and family members don't have their baby shower until their eighth or ninth month. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, okay, loving it, loving it. So, Lo, can you share with us a book that you may recommend, a movie that you may recommend, and a television <laughs> you might recommend? Book, The Shack. Movie, The Color Purple. And what was the other one? <laughs> <laughs> the series. A series. Um, I, because I started a business and moving to Arizona, I love This Is Us, but I have not seen the last three seasons. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want nobody doing it for me. I'm going to go on Hulu and watch them, but I got to find a moment. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I I couldn't pay. I don't like dramas, and I say that all the time. I couldn't get past the first season in This Is Us. 
Like, Man, what? Because I don't like crying. And every episode I was crying. Yes. <laughs> every episode. But like, you know what really, really resonated with me? Because although I come from African-American family, I have white family members. So that family dynamic just made sense to me. Like I understood Randall. Like I understood yeah. it. I understood his, his wife. Like I get it. Like the, the brother, that's my sister Kristen. That so now you get you get it. It's like you love them, but you want to love them around their neck. Yeah. <laughs> Man, let me tell you the situation. Like, and that's gonna be a conversation about the body standard and the beauty and things of that nature. <laughs> but when the sister, when she had the boyfriend that got like they went to visit for Christmas, and the boyfriend got sick, he was in the hospital. I don't yeah. know if he lived or died because I stopped watching it. That was my eye. Uh, if he did, I'm done. I can't, I can't handle it. He, he didn't die. Okay. Nevertheless, okay. I love the fact that they they integrated so many social abnormalities in one yes. family. Yes. The obesity, the mom-daughter dynamic, the drugs, the colorism. Wow. Like, yes, I loved it. I loved Like, that's what made me love the show. And then that little adopted girl who broke up his BMW, I said, baby, she would have got her ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> My mama would have found her with a, a we, I learned how to shave with a straight razor. So she would have got that leather strap for real. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Love it. All right. If you can call three people to speak with, to have a conversation with, no matter if they they're dead and gone if they're here with us physically if you never met them before if they're um actual and factual or if they're fictitious who would you call who three people three people well this first one is a couple so my grandparent my mother's parents because they were very influential in my life growing up that anything they told me i believed and there's things as an adult, I would like, I talk to them spiritually, but I would love to have an actual physical conversation with them. Um, the second person would be, it's kind of a conflict. My daughter is named after her father's mo uh, mother. Because the day she was born, it had been a year to the day that she passed away. Wow. And we had such a tight connection that I considered her more of a friend that when she passed away, I I, I hurt for quite some time. So to find out that I um, was going to be due around her time, I already knew what my daughter's name was going to be. But I would just love for her to physically meet Linda. And the third person, hmm, it would have to be a woman named Denise Ladson. And she is someone I met. I am part of an online social group called Meet and Greet. Um, I am active in the DC meet and greet, although I lived in Philadelphia. Um, she was someone I met through the DC meet and greet social group. And I 
I am who I am online and in person. And I got tried. And when I handled it the way that I handled it, she sent me a message and said, I knew I liked you from the door. She said, but what you just did just made me like you even more. So she was an avid, like if I take you in another room, she has brought me and my husband paintings. Um, she supported when I bake, do bake sales because I bake and sell dinners. Her and her husband, John, would support us in everything. She was helping me with my wedding when she suddenly passed away. She wasn't sick or anything. She just got a headache and collapsed in her house. They took her to the hospital. The next day she was gone. Mm. So I never got to say goodbye. But the last time I talked to her was that morning. And, I, you know, I, anybody I talk to, I tell them I love them before I hang up. Because you never know. But that was, she. we were talking about my wedding dress. Because my husband saw my wedding dress because I left it up on the computer. And he was like, oh, God, I don't like that dress. I hope you ain't considering that one. And it hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I know it did. I know it did. He shouldn't have done it. But go ahead. <laughs> but I called Denise to tell her that. She said, girl, men don't know what they like. He don't like it on her. Wait till he see it on you. <laughs> <laughs> see that? And that's why married men got to talk to the married men, too. I would have told her, hey, player, you can't be, nah, man. You can't, you can't do that. You can't do that, man. Nah, understand. You got to tell us. Don't tell us. So in the video of us on our first dance, I whispered in his head. I said, this is the wedding dress you told me not to buy because it was ugly. And you see him push me back and look at it. He said, that ain't it. I said, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, Denise Ladson definitely will be in that, that three-peat. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, once again, this is the makings of low with everything culture and it's amazing how relationships online relationships can give you such just become what they are you know um, that's how i got married hey look at that look at that <laughs> hey don't don't sleep on it i be trying to tell people all the time it's amazing what relationships you can be it was not an act it was nothing he my husband is in the in the officer, like my brother Olu and I hung out together. Unknown to me, a lot of people thought we were dating, which was kind of creepy. But my husband was in that circle of friends that my brother had made online. Mm. So when they were had their little cabarets, we call them meet and greets, but typical term is cabarets at the VFW, he would be there. And I didn't know he was inquiring about me because I, like I said, fornicating and being single was happy. And uh, just one day he just, he commented on something that I commented on, but he directed his question, his comment to me. And we just started having a conversation back and forth. He sent me a friend request. I accepted it. Then he put me in a group that he had and they would do little like outings and stuff. And I showed up one day with a guy I was dating at the time. Not knowing, I didn't know. And my girlfriend said, you are so dense. <laughs> she said, you can't, so she showed me the stuff. She said, read this. <laughs> so I read it 
And I was like, oh, he was trying to push up. And I showed up with, oh boy. She was like, that's why he, he when I say me, mug me the whole night. And then we left there and went to a jazz club. My phone was blowing up. And I, you know, when I'm on a date, <laughs> I ain't answering myself up. Baby, when he, I finally answered that phone. He lived in Merlin, Laurel, Merlin. I lived in Philadelphia. It's a roughly two hour, depending on how you go, two and a half hour drive every weekend. He was in Philly. And if I and I used to sneak and come to Merlin to see my brother, just to see my brother. Like I just wanted to hang out with my brother. I wouldn't tell him I was coming because if I told him I was coming, then he, he would want to, yeah, he wanted to go out. So, and then there's the age difference. I'm older than my husband. And at the time, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. No, 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 not doing that. I'll go out with him. We hang out. But I told him, I said, I don't want to be married. You don't have any kids. Like, we, we, we too, we, May and October, like, it, it ain't going to work. And then he had Aries, and my kid's dad is an Aries. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. This again. <laughs> so I told him, I said, the first meal he made me was pasta. He put something in it. He put something in it because. I need to have your husband on the show in the future. <laughs> I like if the way he was he here. If he was here, he would peek and be like, it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, because I was like, when you started out, like, that's how I met my wife. I'm like, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, like. I said, this story start- sounds real familiar. Yeah, my brother saw him dance with me because he asked me to dance. And I've danced with anybody. You know, it wasn't, I know, now let me tell you something. I, I did a slow dance with a guy at a club when I was 18, 19 years old. Yeah, I, I got a fake ID, went to the club. And I had some real effed up stuff happen to me ever since then. No more. If the dance requires you to press your body against mine, it ain't happening. I feel it. I so feel it. we were dancing. My brother came over and like, what are you doing with my sister? <laughs> he said, I'm like, we dancing. He says, no, Francis knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm like, well, why are we getting all Nigerian on him? Like, what the hell just happened? And then that's when my brother said, oh, I didn't want to mess with your girl. I said, oh, that's my brother. His face lit up. <laughs> He said, that's your brother? I said, yeah, I'm his sister. He was like, I thought that was your man. Here I go, ew, that's disgusting. <laughs> but ever after that. He was like green light. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like we can fight over it. <laughs> like, long as I, my bad, if that ain't your lady, okay. <laughs> Listen, I started getting flowers. I started getting all kinds of stuff. I was like, well, what the hell? Then my, that's what my brother told me. He had been asking about me for years. Look at that. My brother said, she doesn't need a man. She's good. <laughs> hey, that was that's not up to the brother, obviously. You know? <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know what he, he was talking about. He dated the secret for 18 months. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> People need to hear something like this. Just saying. Yeah, because I didn't want my brother to kill him. Because my brother lived a mile away from him. Mm-hmm. I did not. So I couldn't save him. <laughs> How do your brother feel now? Literally, my brother was a photographer at our wedding. Mm-hmm. 
he came up to me at the reception and he says, I accept him in the family now. I said, well, it's kind of late now, bro. <laughs> 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 no, he, he already he said, it's some things I would correct. He says, but I understand he's a mama's boy. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about that offline. We'll <laughs> okay. What is your theme song, Glow? What song that you Party think? Party Up, DMX. Party? Oh, she was straight to it. Okay. <laughs> and Gritty. <Party> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, usually it takes people some time to give me their theme song, but you already know what's up. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. How would you define joy? Uh... I define joy in laughter. Mm. I can make you laugh. I have accomplished my goal and probably God's goal because laughter, laughter just lifts a multitude of sins. I mean, if you cannot laugh, you are carrying a heavy burden in your life. <laughs> I was just about to do a, a video on TikTok that I was going to say. <laughs> Hey, fellas, if you try to tickle your girl, a tickle a girl, you're trying to holler and she don't laugh, leave her alone. And I'm not ticklish, so that was an issue with my husband. But you still not ticklish with him, though? I'm not. I'm not ticklish at all. And I told told him, I said, when I grew up, I remember being super ticklish. But after I had the kids, like, you could tickle my feet, my underarm. And I think, and this is what I said to him, especially after my lymph nodes was removed because of the cancer. I think that's where your tickle is in your lymph nodes because everywhere lymph node is at is where people are tickled, except for your feet. And only lymph nodes I have are these under my arms. I don't have the ones up here. Yeah. No, they took these, they took these. I have the ones in my groin. Ain't nobody tickling me. <laughs> 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 Hopefully, you know, he may try that out, but we're going to continue. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he tried tickling me and I laughed. I said, I'm not ticklish. He's like, why? I was like, I, I didn't wake up and say, I don't want to be ticklish anymore. I just, I'm not. Laugh, though. Laugh, but I laugh. I was gonna say I laugh. So that's, that's the point. That's the difference. I was gonna, say, and that's the whole minute. And I'm gonna leave. You know, I always make my TikTok trying to like leave people to think and make their own assumption. Uh-huh. But that's what I said I didn't say ticklish from laugh, but if she does not laugh and entertain you even tickle. Yeah, just just leave that alone, player. Just you don't want nothing with that. She don't like you like that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> she don't like you on life right now. <laughs> mm, hey, speak on it. Speak on it. All right, we're doing so well. We got about, you know, you making you you above half, and we'll keep rolling. <laughs> so, our next question is: When did you realize you were different? Oh, we had a uh, we did a TikTok on this. I answered I it. When I realized I was different was when I went to boarding school. It's now tore down. It was called Downtown INA, and it was a mixture of us. There and I made friends with a white girl and we really hit it off. But she wasn't from the downtown Philly area. She was two hours away. And this particular weekend, it was um, Welcome America in, in Philly. So 
I was telling her about it and she wanted to go. So I was like, well, let me ask my grandma, can you come? Now, she did not have the typical white girl names. Her name was Felicia. So um, I said, Grandma, can Felicia come home? Because my mom was in Texas on training. So I can Felicia come and visit. And she said, sure. She like, when um, when you come in? I told her when I was coming home, but I told her she would probably be coming a little later. So, okay, no problem. Never, not once. I heard the saying, if they can't use your comb, don't bring them home. Never clicked. You know, never clicked. Because I'm thinking to myself, well, she uses a comb, so she good. I told you I was an airhead as a kid. Like, shit just went over my head. So anyway, I'm upstairs in my room getting it all ready because I had a room at my grandparents' house. And I heard the door and then heard somebody come upstairs. Felicia came in the room. She said, I think your grandmother is mad. I was like, why? She said, I don't know. But when she saw me, her whole face changed. I was like, okay, I'll go downstairs. So when I came downstairs, my grandfather said, grandmother wants you in the kitchen. <laughs> I was like, you ain't tell you to come and to the kitchen. It ain't always a good thing. And when she's sitting in there with her little corningware, teacup, stirring her coffee, she said, she didn't even speak. She just took the teaspoon and she pointed at the chair. That was my cue to sit my tail down. She said, the only white folks that are supposed to be in this house is the insurance man, the curvy man, and the milkman. She said, that's it. She said, now your little girlfriend can stay, but this will be her first and last visit. You hear me? And I was like, why, Grandma? What happened? She said, then she, you know, she went into detail. She said, white people come into this world to take. That's all they've ever done. That's all they will ever do. They steal, kill, and destroy. And I was like, that's not for me. You know, I'm, I'm making it personal, but I had... It honestly, in all honesty, it wasn't until this past January that I got that conversation. And I was like, I promise you she won't do that. She said, oh, I know. Now that same mosaic tile that my aunt had at her house, my grandmother had at her. So you already know what we had to do that night. <laughs> got to work. We, we, and we got to work because the only way we was going to be able to go to Welcome America concert the next day is if we got that floor done. So we did it through the night. <laughs> Trust me, y'all. This is gonna be a future conversation too. Because <laughs> uh, I had the same conversation, uh, received the same thing from my grandparents. Um, yeah, my grandparents too. But it was more um, pre. It was the same thing. But when I don't know, I don't know. They they were open or welcome, but they just it was more a protective measure. It wasn't to be mean. It wasn't be hateful. But it was just like to be careful. And that's what my grandmother Obviously. was. She, she was my grandmother was the granddaughter of a slave. Mm. So she remembers yeah. a lot. And she just kept her, her guard. Like she left Savannah. My grandfather came to Philadelphia to get a job because his brother opened up a business. Yeah. So he came to Philadelphia to work to send money back home. My grandmother had two kids and was pregnant with the third. They got on the daggone Greyhound bus and came to Philadelphia and never left. 
Oh, wow, wow, wow. Once again, y'all, this is the makings of low with everything culture. Thank y'all for tuning in and listening and watching. Well, watching, Lord. <laughs> but we're going to our next question. And is what traditions do your culture celebrate or practice when someone passes? When someone passes, we it's 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 steps, of course, is now that social media is involved. So let's remove social media. Um before somebody was designated to deliver the news, mm-hmm. either in person or over the phone. But I ne- I was never comfortable with the over the phone thing because I feel like you're you're not giving that person that intimacy with the conversation when you get it over the phone. Um, we used to do the black drape over the doors. So um, if it was, like if it was my parent, I would put the black drape over my door. If it was, so if it was a parent or a child, you will put the drape over your door. Um, if it was like my mom's parents are gone. So if um, one of us, like one of my cousins who doesn't have a parent passed away, then relatives would do the drape over that person's door. Um, COVID has changed all of that. Um, We have a planning party, we call it. So it's kind of like a repast where we all get together with bringing potluck food and we sit down and we help gather the information that's going to go into the program and on the obituary, who is going to contact the newspaper, who is, because we have several in Philadelphia, it's the Inquirer, the Daily News, and then it's the Neighborhood Newspaper. Um, usually this is where church officials come to the house because then they want the okay to release the information to the congregation. And our church, our family church is Bethany Baptist in Southwest Philly. And that's usually where the services are going to be held unless otherwise noted. Um, We usually appoint two or three people to go with either the child or spouse of the deceased to the um, viewing. Um, sometimes, depending on who is who's um, handling the body, we could do the hair and makeup. Um, some places don't let you do that anymore. I know they used to, but, you know, with COVID and everything, they changed. And then... <clears throat> After the services, we have two repasses. We have one at the church, and that's pretty much for everybody. And then we will have one at a family member's house. And that's pretty much just family, you know. Unfortunately, funerals seem to be family reunions. So, you know, that's usually where when you go to the family house that you get to like 
relax and unwind and just, you know, tell stories of the deceased and then catch up with the family you haven't seen. Um, yeah, but now with COVID, you don't get to do any of that. Everything is Zoom. So it, it's kind of, um, these last three years kind of like put a hindrance in a lot of stuff. Ooh. Thank you, love. <laughs> oh, that was a journey. And I greatly appreciate your detail, your response. Um, very important. And I, I know some of us say, oh, you know, the traditional black, black stuff, you know, black family things. But going into that detail, even with the contact in the newspaper, you know, a, a lot of our people that may be my age um, or maybe younger don't know the work that it goes into when someone is passing, you know. They don't understand the traditions that we hold and how we celebrate one another. And even you even wrapped it up so well at, you know, occasionally it's like another family reunion. Mm -hmm. And what do we always say? We got to stop meeting like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah. but, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Seriously. So going to our next question is if you had a biopic, who would play you? And it can't be you. Who would play B? I think I want Taraji or um Tiffany Haddish. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that that would be <laughs> dope. Either way. Yeah. I'm gonna make sure to tag them into this. So they gotta they gotta listen to this. It's like, <laughs> they gotta give you the credit for it. They gotta make sure. <laughs> Everybody have a story. Love it. All right. When was the last time you cried? The last time I had a good cry on my birthday. On your birthday. Wow. I was born on my father, my biological father's mother's birthday, who I, I was close to. And she passed away uh, in 2019. And I got that phone call because I'm in Arizona and they were in Philadelphia. So it wasn't somebody coming to my door. Yeah. So I got the phone call that she passed away. I had, I, you know, will call and she was like, I got to call you back or whatever. My grandmother was a traveler. And the last time I talked to her, she was going to Jamaica. And I told her that I was going with her because I know it was somebody's father she was going over there to see. And they got a son or a nephew or a grandson that's going to keep me busy. And she told me, ain't you married? I said, what they got to do with it? I'm going to keep my eye on you. She said, you need to mind your business. <laughs> so, yeah, my on my birthday, last year wasn't too bad. Last year I was okay. But I think because this was a monumental birthday, and I usually call her on our birthday to say happy birthday, and to beg her to make me a strawberry strudel, which she always said no. Mm. But she would send me, she would send me money and tell me to go buy my own. It's not the same. <laughs> but you know, when I was younger, she used to make it. But as as she got older, her RA was really bad, so baking wasn't a good thing for her anymore. 
But this year, I, I literally cried, and my husband was even like, "Why was this year? What makes this year different?" I'm 50, and although I know she can't live forever, she was 93 when she died. I still miss her, like, but it was like rough yeah. <laughs> that morning. Like, I picked up the phone and everything. I was like, "She's not here." <laughs> so yeah, that was the last time I cried. Thank you, Sharon. If you can go back in time, you got two options. Okay. If you can go okay. back in time and talk to your younger self, or you have your future self come and talk to you now, which one would you rather do? I would talk to my younger self because she 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 did some really mucked up stuff. So yeah, I would talk to my 33 and my 43-year-old self. <laughs> I don't even that long ago, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. My 33-year-old self, because I made some really bad financial choices that I am still paying for. And my 43-year-old self, because I made some personal choices that I, I'm not going to say I would change. I just would have wrapped it differently. Because I, I would have addressed some things that some folk would have realized that I was a force to be reckoned with, but I let some things slide on by that I needed to have addressed better. So, yeah. Understand. Understand. And right there, it really shows that we still have time to learn and make changes in life. I know some folks in their 20s right now still worried about it. I said, you got a lot more mistakes to make. I'm going to say, 20s is what I told my son, when you're in your 20s, it's for you to fuck up. Because you done lived 18, 19, 20 years in my house. Now you on your own, doing your own thing. Enjoy your 20s. Travel. If you want to do drugs, just be responsible. Just 20s is just for you to just jack yourself up. Be free. Then when you get in your 30s, that's where you consider settling down and, you know, doing all the, the stuff. I said, but in your 20s, just don't jack up your money. Just, just don't do that. <laughs> so they kind of listened, but they didn't because I'm a grandmama too, and my son only 28. <laughs> my You'll oldest is 30. Don't <laughs> live it. Don't live it. Yeah. So, Lo, how do you relax? I, I looked over at what I do when I relax. <laughs> um. I make cups. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I was just like, as we were talking, I was sipping this right here, and I, I need to get an everything culture cup. That's the first thing I was. I'm gonna have to hit you up. Mmm. I just made this this morning for a friend. I'm gonna have to go to your website then. We gotta, <laughs> gotta make some shake. Uh huh. Okay, okay. So yeah, this my, is my favorite. This is mine's. I don't know if you can read Beautiful. what it says. I can't at the angle I have my computer right now. But when I'm editing, I'm going to be able to read it. I'll tell you that. It says, thou shalt not try me, low 24-7. <laughs> so that's your quote. That's my quote. <laughs> all, right, all right. Okay. Love it. So this is my favorite question, and that is your last meal. Okay. Yo, yo, coupe de gras. You know, yo, yo, big meal. Who, what would be part of this meal and who would prepare the meal for you? 
Paula Dean will prepare my meal and I can't eat nothing she cook anymore because of my surgery, but <laughs> I want her macaroni and cheese because that's how I make my macaroni and cheese now. She has critiqued it and I have never had a complaint. Um, yeah, I learned how to cook in my grandmother and auntie's kitchen, but Paula Dean critiqued it. Like she gave me that, that je ne sais quoi. Like it, it was perfect after I integrated the stuff that Paula Dean told me to do. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then it doesn't hurt that she fussed a man. Okay. <laughs> I'll see you for Leah. So, <laughs> what's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Christmas. Mm-hmm. You have a particular year that, like, this is my favorite year. As a child, I would say the last Christmas that we celebrated at my grandparents' house before my grandmother got sick. And I think she knew she was sick. She was just keeping it from us because she made a big deal about us coming over and spending um, time with her. Um, My grandmother taught me how to crochet. And her tradition is open one gift on Christmas Eve. And this particular Christmas, we had, when I tell you with so many gifts, you couldn't walk into the door. Like the gifts were taking over that part of the room for all of us. And it just was really cool to have all my aunts and uncles and cousins in one spot. And we just really had a really good time. Like we didn't, we didn't know that that was our last Christmas with her. So yeah, that, that Christmas was awesome. And as an adult, I would say in that very same house, I was living with my mom. My mom now lives in my grandparents' home and my boys had their last Christmas before we, I bought a house. And that Christmas, their godmother and god sister spent with us, and their dad dressed up like Santa Claus, oh. and came through the front door, and the boys were just like excited. <laughs> and you know, their godmother is really like she should have been a childcare worker. Like she just had them all riled up afterwards and got them to go to bed because they said if Santa Claus see them, they ain't going to get no toys. He's going to take all the toys under the tree. So my son was like, he wanted to go in the backyard because he wanted to see the reindeer. Here I go, we in the hood playing. He left the reindeer in the, in the county. He walked. <laughs> you got to pull up in his lap. Oh, and for my daughter, her, for her, I would say the last Christmas we had in Philly because me and my husband knew we were moving to Arizona. We hadn't told our family. So we made a big deal of Christmas with the kids. So I made my son come home because where he went to college is where he still lives at. And we just had a good time. Like I, I still don't know how to cook for five people. I still cook for 12. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, we understand that. <laughs> All right, we got two more questions, love. Two more okay. questions. Okay. 
you know, rocking. All right. So first one of the last two is how would you want people to remember you? I want them to remember me as somebody that was always smiling and happy. We, even through trials and tribulations, I found something to smile about. Love it. Love it. All right. And what changes do you want to see in your culture? It's, this is something that we've been asking for for generations and just for us to come together like other cultures. Like I live in an area that's predominantly native Indian and Mexican, and they live several generations under one home. And they stack their money, they build businesses. And like, I, I would love that for hours, but we always had that one that want to be a crab in a basket. Or we have that one that want to handle everything because they don't trust the person that's doing this. Or you had that one that's always being a Debbie Downer and, you know, making it about them. I want us to be able to come together as a culture and a community and build. Like, Black Wall Street is not out of, out of reach. We can rebuild Black Wall Street. We can rebuild neighborhoods if we pulled our money together and brought up the abandoned homes that the cities are selling for pennies on a dollar because they're abandoned fixed them up and turned them into well homes where people go after they have surgery or to rehabilitate you know from drugs or whatever and as a community come together and work like when I grew up, when people had babies and people died, the neighbors came together with Tupperware containers to the house. You didn't have to worry about food. They had parties on your behalf, you know, selling dinners for you to be able to stay in your home. Like now neighbors don't trust neighbors. Like we knew all our neighbors' names. I can tell you right now, I've been here three, four months. I don't know. I know the neighbor downstairs, and that's only because her dog and my dog think they're best friends. Oh, hey. <laughs> Something to bring y'all together. But I mean, she's a. My neighbors, with the exception of the one directly next to me, the ones downstairs, they're older. And I just have an affinity. I love older, older adults because they are just blunt. They don't care, and they just say it. But the neighbor who's directly underneath us, she is a godsend. She is hard of hearing, which is perfect because when my husband get to playing soccer and my daughter get to jumping and flipping with the dog, like, she, you don't hear none of that. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, Lo, you've done it. You've completed the makings of you with everything culture. How you? It only took us three months to get it done. Hey, you did. It's just two months. Two months. Two months. We talked about it when we first realized we both had a color purple affinity. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I wish I could get my girlfriend the leader because I told her about you. I said, "Oh, we have a color purple listening party on Friday." She was like. Are you serious? I'm like, man, you got to get TikTok. She's not into social media, so that's why 
she ain't doing it. If we need to bring it over here on Zoom, I'll do it again. <laughs> I don't love it. I, and I don't want I don't want the, the affinity to stop with the communication that we're having with the community with that could everything culture i'm looking how we continue to support one another in other ways and if color purple is one of the ways to bring us together that's just one of the ways to bring us together but i absolutely support your mindset and your perspective of you how our culture need to change and i said it in my makings of you is unity i really want us to come together uh, we all can't do the same thing and shouldn't do the same thing, but we all need to learn our different positions and how we can play and how we continue to win what we're trying we to do. We all bring something different to the table, and that's what makes us who we are. Like, and that's why I it's don't care if you're dark skin, if you're light skin, if, if, you, if you are good at carpentry and you're good at plumbing and you're good at HVAC, hey, we all live in the dang same place. We can all get this. Listen. Exactly. Just stay out the kitchen. The kitchen is mine. <laughs> right. See how we communicate. And don't bring each other down. Let's continue to lift one another up. So that's the biggest thing I support. But, Lo, if the people are looking for you and you're trying to be found, where can the people find you? I, I'm going to turn around so you can find me. <laughs> All right, that's Doula in the middle. I see yep. the Okay, I'm going to try to, is it three? Is that 302? 514-8698. Okay, okay. We, we got it. We got it. I am on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. Yeah, you can find, you can Google me. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I, I don't know people, <laughs> someone, people hear that, they think I'm being rude. I'm being no, like, you like, can Google me. Google. Type in, you know, doula in the middle. And yep. same thing with everything culture. Y'all can find us anywhere you listen to a podcast from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Play, Amazon Music, Audible, uh, iHeartRadio, Podbean. We are there. You can find us on our socials at Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Pinterest. We are there. And the thing is, if you're ever interested in coming on the show or you're trying to look for more information or you want to purchase some merchandise, you can go to everything, that's an A, no I, culture.com. Once again, everythingculture.com to find more information for us. But first of all, we're going to say thank you so much, Lo, for joining us today. This no afternoon, this evening, this has been a beautiful journey learning more about you. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to us having more conversations because you just lined yourself up for several more shows. <laughs> I tell you that because your no perspective problem. is needed. All right. But we want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you all for being here. And God bless. Peace. Have a good day.